Father, we come before your throne to hear you. Father, not to hear the words of men, the philosophies of men, the wisdom of men. Father, may our ears be open and our hearts receive the wisdom of eternity. The wisdom of he who spoke existence into being. Father, let us rest in that assurance. Let us take comfort and counsel in you. As you grow us. As you mold us. As you use us up to your glory, to your praise. In Christ's name. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 15 through chapter 2 verse 4. In this confidence, I intended at first to come to you so that you might twice receive a blessing. That is, to pass your way into Macedonia and again from Macedonia to come to you and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. Therefore, I was not vacillated when I intended to do this, was I? Or what I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh so that with me there will be yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me and Sylvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but yes in him. For as many are the promises of God, in him they are yes. Therefore, also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. But I call God as a witness to my soul that to spare you, I did not come again to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy. For in your faith, you are standing firm. But I determined this for my own sake, that I would not come to you in sorrow again. For if I cause you sorrow... Who then makes me glad but the one whom I made sorrowful? This is the very thing I wrote you, so that when I came, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice, having confidence in you with all of my joy would be the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears Not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. This uh, text is known as a narrative. It's just explaining some things. It's not a doctrinal text. It's it's not even something that you would just jump through and say this is an allegory. Uh, It's not something that you would jump on. and, 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 And I was sharing with this in our Sunday school class. Narratives are just, let me tell you what's going on. It's almost like I, when I first read through it, I was like, well, I just getting a shot at his day planner. And, you know, what do you preach on that? I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. And yet 
you have to back away and say, you know, this is the word of God. He wanted you and I to have this for a reason. So what is in this? And what I believe that you have is, is a church that the Apostle Paul had an overwhelming desire and passion for. These people were extraordinarily dear to him. He wrote them, we know of, four times. All right? And if you think about it, out of all the churches that are in the New Testament, nobody received as many chapters of writing that are still recorded in Holy Writ than the church in Corinth. And yet, we looked at 1 Corinthians, the 1 Corinthians, you think, why in the world would you even want to act like you knew these people? These people, listen, it is amazing to me, and, and it, one of my frustrations in life is when I watch people pervert spiritual gifts for their glory, for self-aggrandizement. And yet that's what this church was doing. They had turned the Lord's table into a time of drunkenness. Now, I'm not a great theologian, but I'm thinking that that wouldn't be too pleasing Especially if you had poured yourself into these souls. And then to have them attack you. And, and it's, as we read it in the first letter. You're not even a church had I not been there. Did I not bring you the gospel? Did it not change your heart? Did you not see the fruit of the word of the Lord? And why would you so quickly... Turn from it. And it's the basic same thing that you and I see today. The culture is having a greater impact on the church than the church having an impact on the culture. And in part, there's many reasons for this. And, but I think that the greatest reason that I see is when we stray from the word of God. All right. And, and we start using philosophies methodologies or systems and 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 I see this on a regular basis and I want to I want to deal with this one a little bit because there are times that I think people think that all I like to do is just confront error and you know what I'll be honest with you I don't like doing it I it, it isn't a joy for me I don't take great pleasure in it all right. And I don't usually run around banging on people saying, repent and turn. It's heresy. OK, now then, if a leader, a church leader states something that is not biblical, I will confront that. I will. All right. And a lot of what I do is dealing with church leaders. And, you know, and my confrontation has changed instead of saying, gosh, that's stupid. I usually say, and where is that in the Bible? Okay, um, so I've grown a little bit. What you see in this text is what I call God's pastor. Why? This is looking at the heart of God's man. But I want you to think about something here. Because see, sometimes it's like 1 Timothy. Most people call 1 Timothy a pastoral epistle. Okay, now that's... I understand why we do that. The problem is that statement does not show up in that letter. It's not in there. All right. So what happens is if you give a person an excuse, they're going to use it. I don't read first Timothy because 
It's a pastoral epistle. And I'm not a pastoral. Okay? So I don't need that epistle. Okay? And you just sit there and you go, wait, 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 wait. Have you read the letter? Uh, no. Why? I'm not a pastoral. Alright? And so we will use this. What I'm, I don't want you guys to think of is that, well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15 through chapter 2, verse 4, really doesn't apply to me because I'm not a pastor nor am I a church planner. Okay, the truth of the matter is, this should be the heart of every Christian. If you are in the ministry, then this should be your heart. This should be out there. Okay, now listen, if you're not in the ministry, the only reason you can't be in the ministry is if you're not saved. So you're running out of options here, aren't you? Well, if I'm saved, then I must be in the ministry. And if I'm in the ministry, then I probably ought to look at this as, (laughs) how do I look? Because see, it's easy to say, all right, we're going to go through this. Is Terry loyal? Okay, is Terry honest? Is Terry reliable? Hmm, is Terry authentic? Do you think he is sensitive? And everybody goes, he, he didn't even know what that word is. Uh, is he pure or is he loving? Okay, and all I'm going to do is smile at you and say, well, how about you? Okay, I've already wrestled with this. Why do you think I'm going so slow? <laughs> I, I got to keep going, Lord, I, I just need some help here. And then I looked at this word here, sensitive, the one we're going to look at today. Everybody's going to say, he didn't get that part, did he? <laughs> so that means it's going to be a real, real long review. And then he'll run out of time and we'll pick it up next week. <laughs> no. Verses 15 and 16, there's a loyalty. The Apostle Paul wanted to come back and be with the friends. He had friends there. He had brothers. He had sisters. He had labored there. He had poured his heart into these people. But you also see that he was honesty. He was honest. 17 and 18. Why? God is faithful. Our word to you is not yes and no. He said, you understand that. I didn't, we didn't beat around the bush. We didn't give you alternatives. But he said he was reliable. 19 and 20. The son of God. Why? That's what we're doing this for. This is the son of God. Christ Jesus whom we preach. Do you understand the importance of that? You know, I had somebody one time many moons ago ask me if I ever thought about getting into politics. And I said, no. They said, well, do you understand the impact you can have? I said, do you understand the impact that I have doing what I'm doing right now? I mean, you guys are just driving people nuts. I'm just directing people to the eternal destiny with Jesus Christ. Okay, my work only is dealing with eternal things. Yours is dealing with temporal things. See, everything is sort of relative. That verses 21 and 22 is there's an authenticness to God's pastor, to God's people. They're not sheltering things. You see that a lot today is that, you know, here is my... Christian side, and then over here is my other side. And uh, that's not true. That's not true of God's people, 21 and 22. He has established us with you. We are together. This is that union that is in the body of Christ. And he has anointed us. He has set us aside for sacred commission, sacred service. Every single one of us that is saved, did you know that? See, we like to say, well, you know, he ordained or he anointed the pastor. Okay, now that's a good thing, too. Don't get me wrong. 
All right. But he has anointed every single one of you. Every single one of you. But also. He has sealed us. He has put on us his mark that says, you know what? This is my possession. And then he moves through that and he has put the spirit into our hearts as an engagement of. Let me tell you, this is a promise to you of future glory. Okay. But then look what he does here in uh, verse 23. uh, Through verse 1 of chapter 2. But I call God as witness to my soul. That to spare you, I did not come again to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but as workers with you for your joy. For in your faith, you are standing firm. But I determined this for my own sake, that I would not come to you again in sorrow. This is really amazing mark of the servant of God. I shared with you that this is a a narrative. And if you really wanted to be honest with the context here. Now, finally, he gives the reason that he changed his plan. Okay, I mean, they're already accusing him of being unreliable, of being not authentic. He's not really honest because he promised to come by. He never showed up. And now all of a sudden he says, here's why I didn't come. And I I find it's, it's fascinating here. He's not operating in a simplistic way. When I look at this, I think, you know what? My travel plans changed. And because my travel plans changed, now all of a sudden, I'm not honest? Do, do I even need to answer that? I'm sure none of you would ever feel that way. But he knows that it is his character that is on a line. Why? They're attacking him. He didn't come back to us. Therefore, his yes is not necessarily a yes. And his no may be a maybe. Look at verse 23. But I call God as witness to my soul. Okay, it's an oath. He says, I'm asking God to witness the truth about what I say. I'm going to take it above my conscience even. I'm going to say before God. This is what I say. He's appealing. He's appealing to the divine court. To verify what he's saying. Okay. I call God as a witness to my soul. You know, I've already told you my conscience is clear. It's with sincerity and holiness that I stand with my conscience. But he says, I call God. Here's why I didn't come back. All right. Did you read why? To spare you. To spare me? I didn't come back. I held back to spare you. And if I'm lying, then let God judge me. That's a fascinating term. Don't you think that's fascinating? I thought it was amazing. I didn't come because I wanted to spare you. I know some of you look at me and say, yeah, why don't you try that? (laughs) 
God knows I speak truth. And the truth is, it was for your sake. It was for your sake. This is really good. I didn't want to come back until you had repented. Okay? Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 21. 1 Corinthians 4, 21. He says, you decide whether I come back with a rod or in love. Okay, chapter 4, you got to remember that the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians, he is just blasting them out of the water for their stupidity, their divisions. They have personality cults. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Christ. And they were all these schisms in the body of Christ that the whole community was seeing. And he says, do you want me to come back with the rod? Or do you want me to come back in love? I mean, you read 1 Corinthians, you just sit there and go, man, how would you like to have that letter read to you? You're divisive. You show no unity. Are you even saved? You have perverted the Lord's table. You will have these great banquets and the rich people come in and eat all the good food first. So when the poor people who had to work all day, when they show up, there's nothing but crumbs left. You are trying to load burdens on people. You're trying to make people who are single be more spiritual than those who are married. And you're trying to make the married people say, well, you're more spiritual because you're not married. What a wonderful group of people. It does make you want to go there and smile and just rejoice with love and a rod. Here he's saying, I didn't want to come back to you with a rod. I wanted to spare you. Paul is looking at this and he says, you know why I didn't come back? On my way to Macedonia or on my way back from Macedonia. Do you want to know why I didn't come by Corinth? I thought it would be a good idea. To stop by there on the way there. And on the way back. And then I thought, no. It's too soon. Too soon. They have not had an opportunity to repent. I must give them a time to repent. It's fascinating. Uh, if you have ever, or in the future you ever get an opportunity, <laughs> I use my words carefully now, to confront sin, could be of your spouse, could be of your child, could be a dear brother or sister in the Lord. When you confront the sin, what is always the first response? Every single time. This is as true as there is gravity. You confront another sin. How do they respond every single time? With love and compassion and tenderness and great joy that you so love me so much to point out my fallen state, my meagerness, and I appreciate you immensely. No, they don't. They want to tear your head off. Guaranteed. Crucify him! 
I don't care who you are. You could even have that woman that you've been married to all them years. Dear, I believe that what that is is sin. Pow! No, that was sin. <laughs> okay? And the problem is, as soon as you do that, you get this response back and you think, Well, Lord, <laughs> was I really supposed to do that? And the Lord will tell you, absolutely. Then why do I feel so bad? You should have ducked from the frying pan. <laughs> I give you reflexes. You should have known, fool. But you know what happens? When you confront sin, you will get that immediate response of, who are you and what do you think you're doing and what gives you the authority to point this out? In love. But you will realize that once you sow the word of the Lord there, guess what? It takes some time for it to find its root and to get through the hard-heartedness that put them in that place to begin with, that they are now receptive to what is son. And you have to give them a chance to repent. Now, it's Valentine's Day. Do not run out of here and confront your loved one, okay, and expect you to get a little box of candy, because you might get a little box of candy. But if you're smart, don't eat it. <laughs> Just an idea. All right? But we have a tendency to... And, and we're doing it in love sometimes. But you have to have time for what? Repentance. Repentance. Now, if I look at the Corinthian church and I look at that whole first letter, they don't need some time. They need an eternity. I mean, when I look at that Corinthian church and what they had done, you confront that, great. Ugh. But you didn't, well, let's repent now, brothers and sisters in Christ. Nah, it's going to take time. Paul says, you know what? I confronted it and I know there will be a response. Okay? And I want to give you time and I wanted to spare you the rod. The rod. And you know what? We don't do that. That's funny. We get saved and we think how gracious God is. Then we run around and start beating the tar out of people with the Bible. Wondering why they don't change. And I can just look at him and say, well, how long did it take you? Right? Because, see, one of the things that I think we miss when confronting people is that it takes exhortation. Exhortation says, I'm going to confront you, but I'm going to stand shoulder to shoulder with you, and we'll overcome this thing together, and I'll walk with you. See, we were just as soon point out your shortcomings. Let me tell you how bad you are. See ya. Why? It's obvious they're not receptive to God. They're probably not even saved because they just got mad at me. Nope. God's pastor, he'll confront it. Don't ever kid yourself. But God's pastor say it, do it in sensitivity in a way that, you know what, I'm here to point this out and I'll walk alongside with you. And I'll do that. And there's times that I'll spare you. See, Paul wanted them to correct the problem. Okay, and he was giving them some time. Remember, there was another letter between first. Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, right? It was the severe letter. 
And we don't have that one. That was not God-breathed. But I bet it was a dandy. <laughs> I mean, if the Apostle Paul says, this is going to be a severe letter, you're like, whoa, whoa, what does that mean? I mean, first one seemed kind of severe to me. <laughs> All right, so there was one in between that we don't have that was severe. Let me share with you two things that I have learned uh, the hard way. Severity is always ready to punish the faults that it discovers. Okay, you can call it a critical spirit. Uh, I just call it severity. Okay, and they're always ready. I'm ready to punish. But you know what? Sensitivity is reluctant to discover the faults that it must punish. We don't look at it. I don't keep my space from it. Okay, there's this, there's a, it doesn't mean that when you see it, you don't punish it because sensitivity says if it's been shown to me, then I must bear testimony to it. Okay, let me show you how it's played out in the body of Christ today. Let's say you find a saint doing something wrong. Okay. It's blatant against God. Most Christians today, their first response is to call the pastor or the elder and tell them to pray because such and such is doing something wrong. And this is what they're doing wrong. Am I right? Am I right? Okay. Truth be known. Sensitivity, a sensitive heart like Christ has for you. It's private. God showed it to you so that you would exhort the person to help them overcome this battle that they are in and are losing. And it's nobody else's business. It says, you who see a brother in sin, do what? Call the pastor. Call the elders. Put it on the prayer chain. Why? They need to repent. Nope. Not what it says. God showed it to you. Probably to expose your heart. (laughs) He shows it to you because he wants you to come alongside and bear that burden. But he also warns us in Galatians chapter 6, what? Be careful that you don't fall too. Why? Because it's easy for you to all of a sudden get poofy. (laughs) Which is similar to puffy. Okay, but they both have the same effect. They're useless. They have an odor about them. See, Paul had a sensitivity that he delayed to give them time to deal with the sin that was in their lives. He was waiting for a report back. I had just written them a severe letter. I had made a surprise trip there. And it just really wasn't going anywhere. And you know what? Titus had taken a letter, the severe letter, and he was waiting for Titus's response. And he was waiting for that response before he did anything. And you will see in chapter 7 of this letter that he gets the report. It was a good report, and he was thrilled about it. And you will later see that he goes and spends the winter with them. He says, I didn't come because I didn't, I wanted to spare you the rod. Verse 24, let me show you this. Not that we lowered it over your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy. Stop right there. That's an amazing thing. 
that he says here. This is the humility. He says, I'm not lording this over you. I came with the rod wheeling in my own will. That's why we don't have that severe letter. He says, I don't have that power. Why? We are just workers with you. I am with you. I'm not above you. Who's the head of the church? Christ is. I'm not him. I know you guys, we know that. All right. Why? We work together. We are established in Christ together. Paul is telling you and I this. Why? Now look at what he says. We are workers for what? What is it that we're workers for? It'll depress you because most of us do not work together for the joy of the person we're working for. We're there to just beat him with the Bible and tell him to repent, but continually. And I'm thinking, and I see a lot of people that that just doesn't bring a lot of joy. Right? We like to say, well, I tell you what, I never seen anything like an unappreciative, prideful, arrogant. I just don't even understand it. They don't care about Jesus Christ and they just need to repent. If they don't repent, I just don't know what's going on. And you wonder why they all walk around like this. Why? How many times have you ever walked with a brother or sister and the whole purpose there was for their joy? Fascinating thought. I think it's a fascinating thought. We're not here to lord it over your faith. See, it's like people, people will call, do you guys practice church discipline? That's the first question I get asked sometimes. They want to know about your church. Do you practice church discipline? (laughs) Just the people who call and ask. I I have had to do that to exercise discipline on somebody. Okay? And let me tell you something. I can't think about anything worse to do in life than that in my entire life. Okay? Because it started out that they got their hand caught in a cookie jar and I caught them. All right, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. This isn't all right. Okay, and all the rest of it. And oh, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. And on they go. And finally, you have to say, see ya. But see, what happens is when we discipline somebody and you set them outside the church, you know what that means, right? Well, yeah, I do, actually. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand that discipline is for one purpose and one purpose only? To restore a person? We think, well, let's just take them out and shoot them. And that ain't what it's for. I want your relationship with your Redeemer to be so that all it does is bring us all joy. That's a fascinating thought. I thought we were supposed to take them out and shoot them. Some believe that we are. I know so many who believe that their responsibility is to walk around with God's holy word like a big old hammer and just beat the stew out of whoever they find. I don't think so. He's wearing a beard. He's not wearing a suit. How can he be a man of God? 
And I, how that must break Christ's heart. Because if, let's be realistic with each other this morning. How long suffering has Christ been with you? How many times are you, how many times have you stumbled? And Christ lovingly and graciously picked you back up, cleaned off the dirt. Come on. Now then, how many times have you done the same to bring joy to the one you're restoring? That's the Galatians text, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. You who are spiritual, find any brother in any trespass. What does it say? Beat him in the head with the Bible. Get him to repent. No, it says get under him and bear the burden. Have you ever read that? It literally means it had to do with loading down an animal with so much weight that it was falling down under the weight and you need to get up under it and hip it up so it doesn't bear the weight by itself and therefore no longer have any joy. Have you ever thought about that? Some of you have, some of you haven't. (laughs) But that's the things that you and I have to pay attention to. Paul says, I didn't come because I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to beat you with a rod. We're just workers. We're with you. We just try to come alongside and try to keep you holy so that you'll have the same joy in your relationship with Jesus Christ that we're having. Do we understand that? Do you understand, regardless of what's going on in politics, regardless of what's going on in the workplace, regardless of what's going on in politics, regardless of what's going on in the economy, regardless of what's going on in the stock market, you only have eternal life. That's it. And exactly why do I allow all the temporal things to steal that joy from me? That's it. I only have eternal life. Whoa, I'm only as holy as Christ. I am just clothed in his righteousness. Other than that, what a bummer. Why can't I take that mentality and express it to everybody that I come in contact with? You want to know why people ain't getting saved? Why? Because I see Christians walking around with the same disgust, the same heartache, the same anguish that the lost people are doing, and you only have an eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. You're only going to have to spend face-to-face with Him for eternity. You're only joint heirs with Christ of all of creation and all of existence, and you only get to hang out in heaven for eternity. But you walk around like... The Democrats don't love me. The Republicans don't love me. My 401k is a 55 now. And I just look at it and I think, what's missing? What's missing? Why? Do we understand here when I read this text, he says, we are workers with you for your joy. And I watch people saying, well, you know what? Spare the rod, spoil the child. Ain't got nothing to do with believers. Did you know that? 
They got to do with them little demon things you call children. And you try to protect them. Why? You touch that, that's hot. Well, Dana, you don't know what you're talking about. Hot! Told you. You want to see what our nature is? Tell your child not to do fill in the blank. Their first response is, I'm in. Let's get her done. You know what's scary about that? Same thing in the church. You know what? If you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, you will not watch television. What? Can you, is that out of Ezekiel? Where, where did you get that at? Well, I can't believe you're listening to that music. I can't believe you're listening to Christian music. Have you heard it? There's nothing there. At least when I listen to lost music, I know it's lost music. And they tend to work harder at it. Anyway. We are committed to working alongside you to produce joy. See, he says, you know what? It's not for power. It's not for prestige. It's not for honor. It's not for the trappings that I am the pastor. That's what he says here. We're not, not that we lorded over your faith. And it's really cool here because look what he says. We are workers with you and your faith. You are standing. He says, I see your faith. You're standing. But you're allowing things to sway you that you shouldn't allow. And that's where I come in. And I don't want to come in with the rod. You're standing in your own faith. Listen, this is from a parent's perspective. Listen, I can't live my life for my kids. I can't live my faith for your faith. All right? And yet I watch people who seem to think that that's what we're here for. Well, you know, I know you're a man of faith. Everybody I've ever met in my life is a person of faith. It's just, what do you put your faith in? Listen, I have to endure things for the level of information I have that I hope you don't have to. Okay? But you know what's really cool about it? You're going to have to endure things at the level of your faith that I hope I don't have to. And then we're both going to walk together. We're going to share in the victory of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we are going to be joyful people rejoicing in what God has done. Instead of me running around saying, quit that, repent, repent, what's the matter with you? And I watch people who do that. I just can't believe it. You need to read this version of the Bible. You, you don't read it. I don't care what version you read. Well, but what about all them say, you know what, just read it. I mean, I start winning when you read the Bible. You're standing in your own faith. I can't have your faith for you. I can't have it for my kids. I can't have it for my wife. I can't have it for the saints that God has blessed me with their presence. It's impossible. And the Apostle Paul is saying that very same thing here. You rise and fall on the basis of your own. I mean, later in this letter, he'll even tell you. If you're not sure about your faith, examine yourself. See if you are of the faith. 
It doesn't say me examine you. You know, I need to sit down. I'm thinking pretty sure that you're not saved. Why? Because they didn't turn as quickly as you were? Oh, were you quick? When God pointed out your shortcoming, you just fixed that. Uh, you know, I, uh, every time I listen to him preach, I feel convicted, so I'm leaving. And that's my fault? That's my fault. Well, it is. You, you need to be more gracious. <laughs> I'm working on sensitive. Give me a break here. I can't have your faith. It must be yours. So, you know what I've learned? The hard way. Some of you will testify to this. I might as well step back and give you time to be who you are. Instead of who I think you should be. You know, I don't want you guys to all be like me. Trust me, you don't want to be that either. You can't force people to be something you believe that they need to be. You know what? Jesus Christ didn't even do that. Jesus Christ says, I can't make you me, but I can't clothe you in me. You, and and if, if you're really honest with yourself, you'll realize you can't hammer on people and expect them to be something either. You know what? My ministry has been its greatest when I have walked with them. Okay? And instead of running around pointing out all of our, each of our shortcomings, why don't we walk together in the bonds of love that Christ has poured in our hearts like 1 Corinthians 13. We walk in that love. It is without qualifiers. And if the person has a question, then give them a biblical answer. That is not complicated. Well, let me point out your shortcomings. Well, I hope you have a list. Paul was sensitive. And he wanted to be patient. We must understand this anytime we confront. We must understand this in discipline. We must give time. How patient has God been with you? Then walk as he walked. Look what he says. Verse 1. I determined this for my own sake. <laughs> I like this. I, I didn't want to have another sad meeting. There are people who walk around and they think the only thing I do is run around and confront sin all the time. And you know what? Um, I have witnesses that are here in this room today that says he don't like doing it. And he will do everything in his power to avoid it. I don't like doing it. But if I sit with a room full of pastors, a room full of church leaders, and somebody says something that either steals the glory of God or touches the glory of God or is not in God's purpose, I am going to say something. While you're dealing with the eternal destiny of souls, do not deceive them. Cut it straight. Period. Okay, if they reject it, they reject it. 
I didn't want to have this sad meeting. I didn't want to have pain all over again. I didn't want the anguish again. I don't want to do this again. I don't want the sorrow again. So I didn't come back again until I got a report. I don't want to go through it. He was tired of having confrontations with the body of Christ. He stand up in a synagogue and say, Jesus Christ is Messiah. And they try to kill him. Now he's in the church confronting sin. And what are they doing? He's just a liar. Sign me up for that job. No, he doesn't want that. He said, I'm tired of these severe letters. I am tired of this harsh meetings. I'm a helper. I'm not an authoritarian. And yet people seem to think, well, he's a... No. People ask me, they said, well, as an elder, as a pastor, as a leader, what would... You know what? Yes. That is what God has me in the body of Christ for at this point in time. The only thing that I ask is you walk with me. I don't want you behind me. I don't need you. Well, sometimes you want to go in front of me. Go ahead. I want to go shoulder to shoulder. There isn't anything here. I don't have a red phone. To God. I have the same Bible you got. I color in mine. Some people tell me that's a sin. Okay. Paul says, I'm a helper. I'm a worker. I'm right here with you. Your faith, you stand in. My faith, I stand in. Oh, can we stand together? Why don't we try that one? I don't want sorrow anymore. Paul says, you know what? I didn't want sorrow anymore. I didn't want the anguish of heart anymore. I didn't want that sorrow anymore. So guess what? I didn't come. Fair enough. Don't you think that's fair enough? I mean, if you, have you now listen, I want you to think about this because see, it's easy for us to say, well, this is the pastor and this is the congregation. This is the pastor, this is the congregation. But let me ask you a question. Are there any Christians that you would prefer not to be around? I know just you. <laughs> have you ever run into any of those Christians that just. Have you? Listen, in my life, as 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 what I do. Is part of the problem. <laughs> the other part of the problem is whether uh, there are people who actually every time I get around them, I feel like they're just waiting. Say something, do something. Let's see if he picks his nose. Okay, you know, does he get like barbecue sauce on him when he eats ribs? But they do. They just sort of. Oh, you think he's going to do? Think he's going to fall? I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, just, let me just find, and they just, you know, here's a question. What do you think I am? The Bible answer man? If you got a question, read the book. Read the book. It's a fascinating idea. But I get these, and I know that you guys don't ever run into people like this. That you just look at them and you think, where's the joy? Where's the joy? Have you, you ever, ever run into a Christian like that? Have you ever run around a Christian that you just, oh, there they are. Quick, go to the other aisle. <laughs> some of you, some of you are being honest. The rest of you are going, there's no such thing, brother. It's one unity. It's one body. Oh, you know. 
<laughs> my, my theology is up to date, dude. I, I know Jesus Christ, He's the one, the unifier and everything. I just go around and smile at everybody. Okay. Okay. Maybe it's just me then. Maybe, maybe it's just me. But there are some out there that you're like, oh, uh, I hope whatever they've got isn't contagious. See, Paul says, I don't want to come there because it's for my own sake, but it's also to spare you. All right. See, do you see his heart? Do you see his heart? Can you see the brother's heart there? I, I don't want to come to you in all this turmoil. See, Paul's heart was loyal. He was loyal to these people who were causing him serious anguish. Paul was honest with them. He shared straight up with them. Paul was reliable even when his changes, his plans changed. But Paul was also authentic and Paul was sensitive to say, I have confronted the situation. Now I will give God time to rectify the situation. That's God's pastor. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things you continue to do on a moment-by-moment basis. Father, I thank you for my brother Paul, and I thank you for the things you've shown me here. And Father, uh, much of it brings a smile to my face. Um, Father, all of it takes me to my knees. Father, I pray for us, this group here, called by your name. Father, help us. Help us to be fellow workers for the joy of one another, that we may walk in your purposes to your praise and to your glory in Christ and Christ alone. Father, we love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.